Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Leaving Eden podcast, the podcast about Sadie Carpenter's life in the independent fundamental Baptist cult. I am Gabrielle Hakoen, and I am here with my co-host. Hi, I'm Sadie Carpenter. For the listeners, we record these episodes like weeks in advance. So this is the first time that we've sat down to record an episode since the first episode aired last week. So I've got to ask Sadie, how are you feeling? I am doing pretty well. I definitely have a lot of emotions. <laughs> um, of course. Yeah, it's, it's been an emotional week, but mostly mostly good. For the most part, I'm just excited about seeing something that you and I have worked so hard on become a reality. I feel like we've spent our entire like season of quarantine, lockdown, all of this, just working on this daily. And it's uh, it's really neat to see that become a reality and, and start to be enjoyed by other people. Yeah, and we've been getting really positive messages from it. So if you sent us a message and said, hey, I like the podcast, we really appreciate that. And that means a lot to us. And like, we're really excited because more than 100 people listened to our first episode. More than 100 so people far. listened to us talk for an hour. Yeah, so far. And it's, so it's far. yeah, and it has been super encouraging to see that. Yeah, and I've gotten a lot of private messages from people that I've known for years, um, sharing a little bit of their own story with me or telling me what resonated with them that I said. So this week, I've been getting in like four hour conversations with people that I knew decades ago or years ago. Um, and, and just getting digging into some of the things that we went through together and how that 
influence me and why I'm doing the show now. And I know that I'm not going to be able to do that forever because hopefully, you know, this show gets more and more listeners and it's reaching more people. And I'm not always going to be able to sit and just be on Facebook for four hours with somebody who heard and liked the show. But right now I'm enjoying it. And I know that this is like a limited time offer. And I think that makes it even more enjoyable to me. Like, I know we don't get to stop working now. Because, uh, right, I mean, right at this moment today, we are about to start writing a another hugely complicated, like journalistic episode where we want to get all the, the dates and times as correct as possible. Yeah, we're about to start part three of our IFB leadership series. Yeah, and we're about to really dig into to that episode. And it's it's work, but it has been so enjoyable. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, this, this positive reaction is really encouraging to hear. And we'll certainly get to all of this stuff in the future. But yeah, yeah. we should get on to... Yeah. Well, I haven't seen you in a while. How are you doing? You know what? I'm really great. Um, my birthday present from my brother finally came, and it came a few months late, but oh, it, it came. What did he get you? Well, he got me the new Haim record, and it was supposed to come out in April, which was going to be perfect timing for my birthday. But then they delayed the release because of the COVID crisis. So it's not like he just like forgot or got me something late. But it's like the special <laughs> edition, red vinyl edition of the album. The album's called Women and Music Part 3. And it came with like an autographed postcard. And it's got the signatures of all three of the Haim sisters. And I have that framed and it's sitting on my guitar amp right now. So I'm really pleased about that. Yeah, that sounds super great. And I know you're a really big Haim fan. Oh, yeah. You know, like, what's not to love? It's three Jewish sisters. They play in a band together and their songs are really great. And oh, and one time Alana Haim retweeted me. Yeah, I know. Pretty much. Yeah. One of the greatest (laughs) moments of my life, especially because I've got a mad crush on her. Yeah, I I know. That's like the second thing I found out about you. Anyway, it's (laughs) nice to add their autographs to my collection because I've also got Bruce Springsteen's autograph from when he did the book tour and... But like you've met a fair number of rock stars, right? So like, do you have any of their autographs? So I didn't meet either of these people in person. Technically, I was at the I was at the rail front row of the show. But Jonathan, my husband and I bought a signed copy of the new Arch Enemy record. That's nice. Yeah. And it's signed by both Michael Amit and Alyssa White. So I'm not really a metalhead, so I don't really know who these people are. But if you're willing to elaborate. Yeah. So Michael Amit was a guitarist in Carcass. Um, he's he is super, super cool. He's known for uh, being influenced by Baroque and classical music and then putting that into heavy metal guitar. Nice. Sort of like a Yngwie Malmsteen. Yeah, so he would be influenced by Ingve. So it, he's super, super cool. And then Alyssa, um, okay, if you're professing your crush on Alana Heim, I'm professing my crush on Alyssa White. She is the coolest female vocalist in metal. And she's also married to Doyle Von Frankenstein of the Misfits. So that's interesting. I'm looking up Alyssa White on Wikipedia right now. Um Oh, wow. She looks really cool. But I also know that you met Rod Stewart once in <laughs> Vegas. Did you ever get Rod Stewart? Oh, my argument? goodness. So I didn't. And that is because the realization of, oh, my goodness, that's Rod Stewart. Uh, that realization came into my brain about four minutes too late, unfortunately. So whose autographs have you gotten? I have the autographs of quite a few people who I mean, I thought they were famous at the time I got their autograph, but you would probably never have heard of them before doing this podcast. 
Why is that? I have autographs from quite a few IFB and IFB adjacent celebrities. Well, um, you remember in the Jack Hiles episode, we briefly talked about having your Bible signed by preachers or whatever. Yeah, I'd never heard of this before until I heard of people getting Donald Trump to sign their Bible, which seemed really weird to me. But a lot of this evangelical stuff seems kind of weird to me, so I didn't really pay much mind to it. But I guess it's a big thing. So I was really surprised as well when I heard about people getting Trump to sign a Bible. I'm surprised that he can touch one without his skin burning off. (laughs) You know, yeah. Or just disintegrating. Like Professor Quirrell in the end of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, So what I was surprised by, I didn't know that there was so much overlap into non-IFB specific right-wing evangelicalism. I would have thought that like the Bible signing thing was just IFB. Huh. So that was that was interesting for me to see that spill over into a, a larger demographic. Um, in the IFB specifically, though, your Bible is it's it's like so much more than a book you carry to church because you're encouraged to take it with you everywhere you go. So it's common to have a nicer like leather bound Bible for church, but to have maybe a cheaper one in your car and to also have a New Testament in your purse or your pocket for witnessing to people on the go. And you're reading chapters in your Bible every day. Your utility Bible, like your Batman's <laughs> belt. You're like, I got my New Testament here, like whipping it off. I've got my flask of holy water. <laughs> <laughs> um, Baptists don't do holy water. They pretty much just. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's not. Y'all. No. Um, I, at some point, I will put a picture on the Instagram of my of my New Testament. There are so many different stories and little different details I can point out about that and tell you a story about why it's there. So you're reading your Bible every day, and you're taking it to church three times a week, and you're also highlighting or marking verses as you read. You're making notes in the margin. And another big function of your Bible is it functions like an autograph book. You collect signatures from famous preachers that you hear or maybe from a less known preacher in case he becomes famous one day. So like having your Bible really marked up is like a point of pride. Yeah, absolutely. The the, the quote, like best Christians have a, a super old Bible with lots of marks and highlights and signatures. And the signatures are almost like collectibles. Each one represents a sermon that you sat through and an IFB great that you heard preach. Uh, I've even heard of people, some people will get their Bible signed multiple times by the same preacher if you hear somebody that you're really proud of hearing. It's like saving ticket stubs to a concert. Yeah, it's exactly like that. It's not something that's transferable that you could give to somebody else, but having that as a collectible is a big deal to to people. Okay, that makes sense. So it's like, it's also like kind of like signing a yearbook where they'd sign their name and be like, have a nice summer. Um, Or like sign their name and don't go to movies. (laughs) Not even if there was a new Avengers out? Sorry, dude. Not while people are dying and going to hell. You need to be out witnessing, not watching wicked Hollywood movies. (sighs) Okay. (laughs) So what would people like write in their Bible? They they write their name. Like, what do they put? So jokes aside, you sometimes will see somebody sign their name and then a phrase uh, like stay faithful or um, prayer. You know, it's like something that like defines them as a person, the person who signed it. But it's it's much more normal to see a signature and then a scripture reference. So name and then Romans 5, 8 name and then Psalms 101, 19. 
or just whatever. So this is just like they're naming like a verse that's meaningful to them. Yeah. So they're, what they're naming is called their life verse. And choosing a life verse is a big deal in the IFB. It's like it's almost like a, a status symbol or a calling card. And the verse that you choose uh, is one way of broadcasting who you are to other people in the IFB. Oh, interesting. So you pick a verse like when you're young and that has to do with like the direction that your life goes. Yes. And it is sort of a coming of age tradition. Uh, I think a lot of these older people, like famous preachers that signed my Bible when I was a kid, I think they most likely chose a verse when they were in college or maybe just sometime before they got famous enough to ask to be asked to sign a lot of Bibles. So I don't think Jack Hiles chose a verse when he was 16 or 17, although it's totally possible. I think he probably chose a verse in his 30s when he was starting to gain fame and starting to sign a lot of Bibles. But by the time I came up in the IFB, we were trying to choose our life verses by the time we were in our early teens, because this was, by the time I grew up, it was an established tradition. And we all wanted to be that famous IFB preacher or famous IFB preacher's wife when we grew up. So we were all trying to establish our life verses a lot earlier in life than maybe those those other people did. So it's a bit like an IFB bar mitzvah. That's it. That's interesting. Huh. So yes, I guess, but um, no real ceremonial aspect and no party thrown for us. So I've got to ask, how do you have the maturity and the foresight to pick a good life verse when you're that age? Like when I was 12 or 13, I was mostly concerned with Star Wars and comic books. I wasn't really thinking about what I wanted my life to be. I know that we talked about like the age of accountability or whatever, where your kids are like as old as like four or five or being asked, like, are you going to make this lifelong commitment? But yeah. Yeah. So I have to back up a little bit to answer that question with more context, because that's a really good question. And I want to answer it correctly. At that age, as a little kid, the only decisions you're really asked or expected to make are, you know, when you're going to get saved and then when you're going to get baptized. And and both of those things, yeah, in the IFB church can happen as young as four or five, six years old. But other than that, growing up in the IFB as a child, there's not a lot that you're asked to do except for just obey your parents. So you're being, you're being trained to be super obedient. You're being trained to be very pliable, very malleable. If somebody tells you to do something, you do it. So there's a lot of back-end development going into IFB children to prepare them to be the kind of adults that the IFB can then exploit. But you're not asked to do anything. And that all kind of changes around the time you hit 12 or 13. So it depends on what church you are growing up in. Uh, When you're either 12 or 13, you start being pulled into the IFB way of life. And it's a very dramatic change. So you're allowed to join the youth group. Some churches, sixth grade or 12, some churches, 13, seventh grade. Uh, you're, you're pulled into the youth group and things just kind of drastically change very quickly. You start being asked to do different types of work for the church. Um, most youth groups have teen soul winning. So they want you to come to the church every Saturday morning and go out soul winning with the teen group and with the youth pastor for a few hours. So now you've lost your Saturdays. That's when my soccer games were or my uh, baseball games. Right. And this is why IFB families don't do team sports because they mm-hmm. conflict with church or with soul winning. 
so so you've lost you know you've lost your saturday mornings when you become that that general age 12 or 13 you start getting asked to participate in volunteer days to help clean the church building or clean the school building or whatever you have. Um, you might get asked to work on the bus ministry on Sunday mornings or Sunday afternoons, or you might be asked to teach a Sunday school class for bus kids. So it's around this age, the church work starts to really pile on. And it only takes you as the child being super committed to the church or your parents being super committed to the church. It does not take huh. both. Because if you are sold out, if you are starting to believe the IFB way of life, then you're going to do it whether your parents support you or not. And if your parents are super sold out to the IFB, they're going to make you do it whether you want to or not. (laughs) So it only takes commitment on behalf of one of those two parties. And the other really big thing that comes around when you're about 12 or 13 in the IFB is you start going to youth conference. The, The biggest youth conference is the one at First Baptist Church of Hammond. You also usually start going to summer camp, like sleepaway camp, like a week away from your parents at at a a Jesus camp. Like the documentary? Yes. And I have to save it for another episode. I know. I know I can't get into it. (laughs) Wait, you actually went to like actual Jesus camp documentary camp? Absolutely. I absolutely did. Um, I do. Like the same camp? No, uh, like a stricter one, actually. In Jesus Camp, the documentary, um, the the girls are wearing pants and they're also using worship music. So I actually went to a much more extreme version. But we cannot go off on that tangent right now because it'll be the rest of our episode. No, we have to talk about other stuff. Um, But we are going to... (laughs) But... I promise we'll get there. It's going to be good. But when you go to youth conference or summer camp, this really big thing that's expected to happen sometime between 10 and 17 is being called by God to your life work. So what you're told is, um, since you had the privilege to grow up in church and in the IFB, God almost certainly wants you to be a full-time Christian servant somehow. So God wants you to pastor, work in a Christian school, be an assistant pastor, be a missionary, or marry a man who is doing any of the above. A lot of options. Yeah, there's so, so many options. So at these camps and conferences, the pressure to surrender to God's call is ramped up to absolutely insane intensity. And we're going to go into these high pressure tactics and what that experience is like another time. But uh, has anybody ever tried to get you to join like a multi-level marketing company? Yes. Yeah. The the pressure that you face as an IFB teenager to quote unquote surrender and commit your life to doing one of these very few options for the rest of your life <laughs> is 10 times worse, if not more. The pressure is I'm going to have to write an entire episode to describe it because I can't even put it into words just off the top of my head. The point of this whole story is this transformation or this turning point where you supposedly have God literally speaking to you and telling you what he wants you to do with your life is expected to happen by the time you're 16 or 17 at the very latest. If it doesn't happen by then, you're not surrendered to God. And that is a really bad thing. What has happened is in the modern IFB. So I'm talking about my own experiences um, being an IFB teenager from 2005 to 2011-ish, is that the focus on this decision, like committing your life to whatever God wants you to do, the pressure to, and th- but it's called surrendering because it's supposed to be like this difficult thing that you have to like kind of force yourself to do and you're like wrestling with the devil and it's very, dr- very dramatized. And 
that turning point where you go from being not surrendered to God to being surrendered to God, that turning point has become like such a focal point of your existence as a teenager in the IFB. That wow. and the pressure around it has gotten so incredibly intense that children are making these quote decisions for God earlier and earlier in life. So while uh, while I think. 20 or 30 years before I was a teenager in the IFB. The usual age for this to happen would have been 16, 17, 18, or 19. Now, a more usual age for this to happen at is 13, 14, or 15. So at this point, as a 13 or 14-year-old kid, so you've already committed to going to Bible college. You've already chosen your Bible college and applied. Uh, You've already committed to what you're going to do with your life. And you've got the massive status boost. Wait, you can apply to college when you're 13 or 14? You can apply to Hiles Anderson at 12. And I know that because I used to work in their admissions department. What? We'll get there. <laughs> this is the this is the episode yeah. of avoiding. <laughs> avoiding this. The devil is trying to lead us. <laughs> the devil is severely <laughs> tempting us today. But no, so yeah. so you're you're right though. You're 13 or 14 or even younger, and you've committed to all of this like life plan, your entire life plan. So, and you've gotten this massive status boost that you get from being on that perceived like spiritual level of commitment. Once you have quote surrendered to God uh, and chosen this life path and, and you know, committed to going to Bible college and committed to all of this stuff and started working more for the church and started working on the church bus route and started going to teen soul winning, you get this huge status boost within your community of your church. People trust you more. People respect you more. Maybe um, people even start uh, adding an honorific to your name. Like, Uh, Instead of just calling you Joe, they might call you Brother Joe. Um, So you get this huge status boost. And I guess that is similar to a bar mitzvah. You get like this, this like boost. And with this, like with this new status and new standing that you have in your community after you've completed all of these rites of passage, it's time for you to choose a life verse that encapsulates what you want your life to be because that entire life is already planned out for you and you've promised to fulfill these expectations that people have of you. So that's, so it, the, my problem isn't with a 13 year old having the judgment to pick a verse that's going to, that's going to describe them for the rest of their life. My problem is with asking a 13 year old to make a final call about their life work period ever. So what was your life verse? So believe it or not, I don't remember. Um, I know that I had one in high school, and I think it was a, a later book in the Old Testament. I'm sorry, a later book in the New Testament. Uh, it might have been in Peter, First or Second Peter, somewhere. Um, and then I know that I switched over when I was about 18, but I cannot remember what either one of them were. I'm gonna. So I didn't know it was something that you could change. <laughs> so. It is something, it's considered normal to go through one or two while finding the perfect verse for you. Uh, A lot of times a change might be made because like God calls you to do something different or you misheard or misunderstood God's call on you the first time. Uh, So the first time God called you to be a missionary when you were 14, but now you're 16 and you're all grown up and you understand that God is calling you to be a pastor. Um, so that's the kind of thing that might precipitate a change in life first. Um, a, a large life upset, the death of someone close to you uh, is another thing that could cause your life first to change. 
I've seen, okay. I've even seen famous preachers or famous pastors' wives change life versus mid-career. It's unusual, but it's not necessarily looked down upon if there's a reason for changing it. So say I'm a 15-year-old boy. I am raised in the IFB and my life's calling. God has called me to go to Hiles Anderson College and to be a preacher so that I can spread the gospel across this great nation. What are my options for life verses? So that question gets to the whole meat of why I wanted to talk about life verses in the first place. Yeah. Because this is this is a great example of individuality in the IFB and what individuality looks like. How do you express individuality in a world that is built on conformity? In a world where everyone dresses pretty much the same and your music choices are extremely limited and your reading choices are limited, where everybody's kind of doing the same thing at the same time all the time, this is like one of these few little niche places where you can be a little bit more original. You have like Mm. approval, like social approval to be a little bit different. So it's all to do with like how you identify yourself. Right. It's a first impression. Uh, it's something that you might get asked on a first date or in a job uh, job interview if you're interviewing to be an IFB pastor. And because it's such a part of your identity and how you describe yourself, you don't want to be too basic. Like for once, you don't want to copy everybody else. If you think of it in fashion senses, you don't want to wear monochrome black and white every day. But you also don't want a verse that's super obscure because that's the equivalent of wearing like full cosplay or a hoop skirt or a clown suit around. Mm, I'm not sure I totally get what you're talking about. but Okay, okay. Uh, let's try a different analogy. Uh, what's your favorite Rush song? Natural science, but I have all of power windows on my workout playlist. Okay, so if you ask somebody that and they said closer to the heart... Well, maybe they, that's just the song that they like the best. But some people might be suspicious, like, oh, is that the only Rush song that you know? Okay, so A of all, I used closer to the heart lyrics as my senior quote in high school. So if you don't believe me, look it up. Grand High School, Portland, Oregon, class of 2011. I'm in there with a picture of me and my guitar. B of all, y'all are some gatekeeping hipsters, and I don't care how casually or seriously somebody takes a thing like that just as long as we've got it in common you know they could say that their favorite rush song was tom sawyer for all i care and that would be fine because tom sawyer is a banger okay dude so number one closer to the heart lyrics were written into my wedding vows so i am not trying to trash closer to the heart here good no there's no way you better not be (laughs) Was in my literal wedding vows. Number two, Tom Sawyer is a banger and one of my personal favorites. It is a great song. That is what I'm saying, is that there is absolutely a bit of gatekeeping hipsterness in this. There are all of these like unspoken societal rules about what you do and don't choose as your life first and what that means about you. Okay, so if I'm a gatekeeping hipster Christian, what verse should I avoid because it's too obvious? I mean, the first one that comes to mind is John 3.16 or any other verse that everybody knows immediately. So I'm Jewish um, and I have never read John, but I will take your word for it. Well, you know, like the first four books of the New Testament, right? I am assuming from context that one of them is John. Yeah. Okay. One of them is John. You want to take a guess at any other ones? John, um, 
how okay so it's the first four john paul george and ringo (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh no is okay wait no is is okay so is luke one of them yes john and luke we've got two out of four of the gospels john luke picard oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) Uh. but i actually straight up do not know this i have never read what christians refer to as the new testament or as i like to call it the last two seasons of game of thrones anyway matthew mark luke and john for gospels okay <laughs> so john three sixteen is like the most famous bible verse ever so i don't know this verse what is it okay so john three sixteen is uh for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life so you knew that right off of the top of your head uh yeah i've had it memorized for something over 20 years at this point so i ought to be able to quote it there's there's like songs about it too that's like the most it's like the most famous verse ever though so i don't know your guys's literal stairway to heaven no (laughs) but that's a good analogy though so if you pick a verse from the old testament that might signify that you're a more old-fashioned type of preacher, especially if you pick like uh, something from the prophets or like one of the more hellfire and brimstone verses of the Old Testament, that might give you a clue that the guy who signed that verse is like a screaming, yelling kind of preacher. Uh, On the other hand, New Testament verses are seen as more modern and trendy. So a lot of newer IFB preachers uh, lean towards New Testament verses, especially the book of Romans, because that appeals to a more modern audience. So if I was picking a New Testament verse, I would be like the pastor that like sits on the chair backwards to try and rap with the kids. Yeah, the pastor that that doesn't wear a tie on Wednesday nights and like takes a lot of Oof. flack from his other IFB buddies over it. Wow, what a rebel. Yeah. So would it be frowned upon or would it be seen maybe as too erotic if I picked something from Song of Songs for my life verse? So the only way that I can think of that that would be acceptable is if you were like a well-known IFB teacher on marriage. Uh, In the scenario where you're a teenager and trying to be a pastor, you've probably been told to skip over Song of Songs until you're you're 16, until you're 18, until you're engaged, until you're married, whatever your pastor's opinion on that is. So if you met somebody who had Song of Songs as their life verse, it would immediately let you know, like, okay, this person is a certified freak seven days a week. (laughs) Oh, wow. Relevant. Nice. (laughs) Song of Songs is this book that has these verses like, oh, give me kisses on the mouth for your love is more delightful than wine. Or... Your rounded thighs are like jewels, the work of a master's hand. You know, like a Jodeci video or like Keith Sweat or D'Angelo. Destiny's Child Bootylicious. <laughs> so I did uh, I did check through my old my old Bible and even though I do have a signature from this one IFB preacher who was very well known for graphic sexual content in sermons. I mean In an IFB sense, I don't think it would be anything shocking to adults outside of the IFB. But uh, even that guy did not sign a verse from Song of Songs. He didn't sign Biblical Bootylicious? No. (laughs) (laughs) 
he didn't sign when thou makest satisfying restitution to thy wife you shall accompany her to red lobster for endless shrimp The gospel according to B. <laughs> the Beeble. <laughs> well, you know the Holy Booble is a thing. No. That's a port it's yeah, it's published in Portland. What's the Holy Booble? It's a it's a book. It's like a photo. It's a coffee table book with pictures of uh, lots of different types of boobs belonging to lots of different people. And it's that's a locally published book. <laughs> Interesting. Moving on. But, but I don't think any of that was super appropriate for for your life first. No. Sadly. <laughs> I was I was thinking though. I think I might know one person with the social awkwardness required to actually make his life first from the Song of Songs. Oof, oy vey. So, I need to meet this man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me tell you. So I went to Hiles Anderson with this guy and bless his heart. He was just not very bright, good heart, just not real smart. And he had bought into the IFB mentality 110%. And he had heard in a sermon that God wanted to make him the next great preacher. God wanted to make him the next Jack Scop. And in his mind, he totally that he took that very seriously. And no one had ever stopped to tell him that that wasn't super likely. So in his head, he was the next pastor of First Baptist Church of Hammond. He was the next Jack Scott. Okay. Not like, you know, if you're not a good singer, it's not like nobody had ever like been like, hey, have you ever recorded yourself and listened to yourself singing? So they'll tell you if you're a bad singer, but they won't really tell you if they're a bad preacher, if you're a bad preacher, because they want you to stay around and keep working in their ministries. Hmm. So this guy, I remember one day. So we're sitting at breakfast in the Hiles Anderson College dining hall. And this guy informs me that he is going to counsel me and that I need to listen to his counsel because he is a man of God and because God is telling him a message for me. He, this guy just completely seriously tells me this. Just dead ass. Just <laughs> completely straight face tells me this. He really believed that he could just inform me that he was allowed to tell me what to do. And he wasn't like being a jerk. Like he didn't realize, you know, he thought that this was okay because he was a man of God and that gave him authority over all women. And I feel like that guy, if anybody ever would, that's the guy that had the, the correct personality to sign a Bible with Song of Songs as his life verse. So I've got to know this message from God. What was it? <laughs> you know, I didn't stick around to find out. I informed him that he was not my pastor and he didn't get to tell me what to do just because he's a man and I'm not. So damn. I was over it that day. You just shut that boy down. Yep. Was was this during what we shall call your fall from grace? If I remember correctly, this was at the very beginning of that like fall from grace period of time. Just think, if you'd stayed around and listened to him, you might be you might still be in. God spoke to you <laughs> through this man. But his words fell on deaf ears. Now only hellfire awaits. See, I would say that God spoke to me and told me not to listen to that dude. <laughs> 
What do you think? Do you think I could be a good IFB preacher? You know, the the, the extent to which you're starting to get this is a little bit frightening. <laughs> I wonder, like, oh no, oh no, I've gotten you too well into the mind of the IFB people. <laughs> uh, so back to the original question. So if I'm a guy like him, only better, um, and I believe that it's my life's calling to be an IFB pastor, what is my life first going to be? So for pastors, the book of Romans is a good bet. The main salvation verses, so that is Romans 3.10, Romans 3.23, Romans 5.8, Romans 6.23. Those are more suited to evangelists, although I have seen a few pastors sign those verses. Romans is super popular with pastors, though, especially chapter 8, chapter 12. The books of First and Second Timothy talk a lot about pastors in general, so there might be something there for you. Any Pauline epistle, so any of the books of the New Testament that the Apostle Paul wrote, uh, would be would be popular for pastors. Uh, First Peter is popular, as well as First Corinthians, Matthew, and John. Mark and Luke, the other two Beatles, uh, are not so popular for life verses. So I'm going to remind you that I am Jewish and I am not familiar at all with the sequels. So everything <laughs> that you have said there doesn't mean anything to me. So what sorts of particular words am I looking for? I'm sorry, the sequels. <laughs> this is why you're one of my favorite people to talk about religion with. So I didn't want to offend you because I usually call it the fan fiction. <laughs> So I feel like you you um you walk that line really well because I don't I don't want to have a conversation with somebody who's like s- afraid to say anything. <laughs> anyway, so the keywords that you'd be looking for in this life verse that we're searching for here, um, you'd look for words like salvation, grace, power, prayer, Holy Spirit. Um, you're looking to reference a key concept of modern Christianity. So there are clearly some verses that are more popular than others, but what if I'm, like we said before, a bit of a hipster and I want to pick some verse that really hasn't been overdone? Is that seen as something virtuous or is that seen as something that's maybe a bit eccentric or frowned upon? I think as long as the verse has like a a pretty direct message, that picking something obscure would be seen as a really good thing. Uh, The perception would be that, that you were reading some really out-of-the-way part of the Bible, or that you are paying more attention than other people who are less holy than you. Um, but as a positive example, my dad's life verse is Joshua 24, 15, which is, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, is the end of that verse. Um, it has a definite message, but it's a little unusual to use as a life verse. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard of anyone else specifically using that verse as a life verse. And I've always thought that's a great choice. It's a little out of the way little bit not something that you see other people pick but good message you know strong message i've always thought that was a really good choice so since i'm not familiar with the new testament call it that uh, which verses (laughs) out of the hebrew bible would be a good choice so my perception was when i started to lay down the research for this podcast episode was that psalms was seen as more feminine because there are a lot of verses about God drawing near to you and God being there for you. Um, so I, my perception was that that Psalms would be perceived as a little too effeminate. But when I started looking into what pastors actually signed and when I put out a call for submissions on my Facebook, I noticed there are actually plenty of men, plenty of pastors who use Psalms. So my perception was false there. So a Psalm could work fine. Uh, Jeremiah 33.3 3 
and Isaiah 40:31 were also some of the most popular verses. It like it, so is it a thing where some verses will like because to me life verses don't seem particularly nefarious or bad or, or anything it just seems like it's it's like a just a thing that you guys do like a, a tradition that you guys do but why are why is there this perception that there are some verses that are for ladies and some that are for men misogyny and sexism in the ifb um for me it's just felt too big to try to tackle on the show so far So what I've been doing is kind of giving you these little tidbits of symptoms of that just here and there. Just, oh yeah. And by the way, that's another symptom of the the misogyny that we're going to have to talk about later. So this is just another one of those places where I point out, hey, this is another symptom. At some point, we'll have to do a, a whole episode about some of the roots of that and how it is perpetuated in the IFB. But this thing with life versus, it's another small way that, that sexism kind of shows its head. Uh, Um, yeah. When I was looking at signatures in my Bible, for example, I saw several places where a preacher's wife had signed directly beneath her husband's signature in much smaller writing. Mm. Um, And preachers, especially famous preachers, will sign very large. I have seen places where Jack Scott signed a Bible, for example, and took up half a page. And you've only got about three. Yeah, you've got about three empty pages total. In the front of your Bible for autographs. That's a bit pretentious. I have seen signatures of his that took a full, fully half of the page. Wow. So he'll sign huge. And I've had his wife sign my Bible before as well. And her signature could just about fit on a dime. And I feel like it's, it's not that he made his wife sign tiny. And it's not, it might not even have been conscious. But the fact that like, he's got this the societal perception that he can take up that much room and where, you know, where, where I have women's signatures in my Bible, where I even have them in, again, if you're a man, you would never have a woman sign your Bible ever, but where I have, I I was allowed to, and where I have women sign my Bible, there are much smaller signatures. Uh, I even saw one place in a Bible that I have where the husband had signed Mr. and Mrs. I'm going to call him Smith. So he just he just signed for her. He just signed for her. She didn't get her own signature or her own life verse. He just did it for her. Is it common for a woman to have a life verse that's about like submitting to God's will? Is that something you'd see? So I didn't come up with a verse that's an example of that off the top of my head, but conceptually that would certainly be a strong possibility. We also talked about the the forced positivity for women in the IFB. Mm. The kind of like your performative pos- positivity and ha- what a big deal that is. Um, so verses about having inner peace uh, or having God's peace versus about God taking care of you versus from the poetic books and versus about being positive or being happy would be most common for women. It is another way that women are expected to perform happiness and perform positivity. So that's what I so so I hope that makes sense. Like that's why I say that. This isn't this isn't a feminist topic like on its face, but there are always places where if you know what you're looking for, you can point out, oh yeah, this is another small symptom. This is another place that we see that sexism. Just poke just poke it up. It's just a little bit here and there. Okay, so here's here's another question, totally unrelated to that. Um, 
Is it common for people to pick a life verse that's the same as somebody else's life verse that was like a person that was especially influential to them or like a role model or like their father maybe? Yeah, it wouldn't be unusual. Um, Choosing the same verse as your mentor or a pastor that you really admire is definitely a thing people do. Uh, Another option might be picking a different verse with a really similar theme or picking a different verse from the same chapter. I have to wonder, though, if maybe this has fallen out of practice after so many recent scandals. Like if you pick the same verse as a college teacher or a pastor and that guy ends up fired or in jail, do you have to change your verse? Like, I don't I don't know. But that's really interesting, though. Because you always hear about people talking about like cancel culture or whatever. Mm-hmm. And some people will say, oh, this actor or this singer did something really terrible and now we can't listen to his music or watch his movies anymore. Imagine if you, for instance, picked the same life verse as Jack Hiles. And mm-hmm. it's because you really admire Jack Hiles, mm-hmm. um, which I'm sure was not uncommon. And then imagine that this is right like in the battle of 1989 mm-hmm. and Jack Hiles is accused of all sorts of impropriety and sinful behavior as they would say and you've spent your whole life basically everywhere that you sign your name you're basically telling people Jack Hiles that's my guy mm-hmm. I mean it would be way easier to just pretend that something wasn't happening or believe every possible excuse that you know that it would be to like than to truly come to terms with what kind of a guy this guy is. You're li- like, literally, when you sign your name, you're signing something from him mm-hmm. underneath your name. That's like, it takes over as like part of your identity. Wow. Yeah, it is part of your identity. That was like the perfect thing to say. And I really am starting to feel like you're, you're beginning to understand why people supported Jack Hiles, even with all the evidence against him and how, because what I'm trying to demonstrate with, with everything is that this is a movement that takes over your life and it becomes your identity and it becomes who you are. And that's the biggest reason that people don't leave because it's they, they don't know how to separate their identity from the IFB. So when we get to the Jack Scott episodes in the IFB leadership series that we're doing right now, those episodes have a different outcome. Uh, than the Hiles episodes do. So we will get to talk a little bit about what happens when there's no choice but to cancel someone. But I don't want to get ahead of myself there. The thing that they're following isn't perfect. They'll just get defensive and deny everything rather than... Yeah, it's it's a very powerful and terrible experience. And I can say this as somebody who has experienced this phenomenon, to feel that those pillars that you built your entire worldview on are crumbling down around you. Scary just just doesn't even begin to describe it. But I think, you know, once you understand how enmeshed these things can be in a person, how much the IFB beliefs and the way of life can become foundational for somebody, it makes more sense to you why people don't leave. And it also makes more sense to you why people are willing to cherry pick verses and twist doctrines to make things still work in their mind so that they don't have to go through that emotional turmoil of, of uh, deconstructing and reconstructing their faith or leaving the IFB movement. See, this to me is still kind of weird because, and, I, and let me tell you why, because this is a little bit esoteric. If all of the Bible is the word of God, then why is it that like some verses or some parts of it are seen as like more valid than others? Why is it that 
some verses apply to some people and other verses don't. And then they apply to these people more than these people, but also these people. Like, also, the whole thing about Song of Songs being not allowed to read until you're of age, that seems really weird to me. Like, it kind of reminds me of this article that I read about in the, in the Smithsonian had, like, some Bibles that were from enslaved black people in the American South and how they would be, like, heavily abridged to remove any of the passages that might be used to instill rebellion or like even thoughts of freedom, especially in books like Exodus. I haven't heard of that before, but that totally makes sense why this would remind you of that. They're like a special edition where they're like the special edition, like selections from the Bible for like slaves or something. I don't know. Right. And uh, King James Version only people will say that the entire Bible is the word of God, but then they don't want you reading parts of it until you're... yeah certain age whatever you're not ready for that so if a verse says something that you don't like you can just say well we weren't truly meant to understand the meaning of that verse or is that like so like why are some verses like more valid than others or more dependable okay so here's the ifb answer i'm gonna slip into ifb mode here Mm -hmm. (laughs) so every verse in the bible is equally important and equally the word of god so the gospel which is Jesus dying on the cross for our sins so that we can go to heaven, is contained in every single verse in the Bible. However, we as humans can only understand the gospel, the meaning of some of these verses. So God's word exists in every obscure verse. And more than that, God's word is complete and completed in every verse of the King James Bible. However, we are only able to understand it in the verses that are very easy to understand because we're humans and we're stupid. So if there's a verse that says something you don't like, you can just say, well, we weren't truly meant to understand the meaning of that verse. You can say, what you say is we are not holy enough or we are not close enough to God or we are not sinless enough to understand Uh, what the true meaning of that verse is. So you can do that, or you can also like dig into the original language and make up an alternate translation that changes the meaning to something that you want it to say. Um, But of course, that's a discussion for another day. Man, we really are tempted by the devil on this podcast today. (laughs) So that is something that we are going to have to talk about in great great detail another time. But as I understand it, in preparation for talking about life verses... You've done some digging through your circles of Christians or people who are raised, especially Christian, to find like common life verses. So like, is there, is there any specific trend in like selections that you saw? So I found some, some kind of hot spots is more what I saw than anything else. Hot spots. Okay. So like special books that they like more than These others. particular books are, are real popular. These chapters tend to be popular because like I said at the beginning, everybody's kind of trying to pick their own individualized verse. As far as verses that do get repeated, Jeremiah 33, 3. Uh, and Romans 12, 1 and 2 really seem to be the most popular verses overall. Jeremiah, Romans, and First and Second Corinthians, and Philippians really seem to be the, the most, the, 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 the brightest spots on the heat map as far as books of the Bible go. Uh, and like I said earlier, I noticed more Psalms than I thought I would. But Psalms is the longest book of the Bible, whether or not you include the New Testament. So that really shouldn't have been that surprising to me. Some verses that were mentioned on my post, uh, my dad's life verse is Joshua 24, 15. My mom's life verse is Romans 8, 28, uh, which is a really, it's really nice. It's a really comforting verse. 
other verses that friends mentioned on my post were Jeremiah 33, 3, 1 Peter 4, 11, Psalm 23, Jeremiah 29, 11, uh, John 14, 6, Romans 7, 18, 2 Timothy 1, 7. So thank you to Facebook friends who participated in my little poll. Is there anything about these particular verses that make them popular? So these are all verses that fit the most popular themes for life verses. They're inspirational. They are their themes of God's promises, God's power or God's protection or God's love for us. And um, for the most part, they have a definite concise message. Like the verse is a full thought. You know, it's uh, so Jeremiah 33, 3, for example, I mentioned that one a whole bunch. Um, it's call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things, which thou knowest not. So it's a promise that when you when you call out to God in prayer, he will answer. So it's usually something uplifting, almost like, um, so you know those, like, workplace inspirational posters? Oh, yeah, It's yeah, like yeah, a picture yeah. of a guy climbing a mountain, and it says, attitude, like, on the bottom, and it, like, it gives you, like, a little punchy motivational quote. That's, that in a Bible verse, that's what people are picking. <laughs> I just kind of want to say that, like, as much as we talk about, like, bad things about the IFB, it's nice to cover something like this life verse tradition that's really more of just, like, a cultural quirk and not anything that's like evil or mean mm -hmm. or meant to like mind control people like and, and i agree and that's why i thought this would be a nice interval because i know this is going to come out between episodes of the series on the hiles and scott family scandals there's a lot of valuable information here about life versus it talks about like the psyche of the ifb person uh it talks about uh, it gives you a little slice of life of what it's like to grow up in the system and that's really important to me to portray because while I don't, I don't hesitate to call a spade a spade and portray someone who was a monster as a monster, I always want to humanize your average IFB church members because the people who just happen to attend these churches, for the most part, they're just normal people who have odd traditions and a very different way of viewing the world and in some cases have been swept into a cult. These are not, these are not harmful people for the most part like when yeah when i talk about ifb leaders who are harmful i'm just gonna say it <laughs> but but these like these regular people they're just people and this is a slice of their life that you would never know about spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine with the weather warming up it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a pilates class or outdoor guided walk Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Gavrielle here. If you enjoy the Leaving Eden podcast, head over to our Facebook group, Eden Exodus, where you can talk to other fans, ask us questions, and share memes. That's facebook.com slash Eden Exodus. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash leaving Eden podcast, and you'll get access to extended and uncensored episodes. 
You can also support our show by recommending it to your family and your friends. The Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we really appreciate your support. And now, back to the show. We've heard like some popular life verses, but I was thinking like, what are the worst possible choices that <laughs> somebody could make for their life verse? Like if you met somebody and they had these as their life verse, you would think that they were just like properly insane. Okay. So I'll tell you what, I'll let you have the Hebrew Bible and I'll take the New Testament. So are we going to, are we going to like search? Okay. Let's each pick a couple. Yeah, so I'm I'm just going to tell everybody that we prepared this ahead of time because I absolutely do not have the capability to rattle off Bible verses. I'm just not that well studied. But anyway, because I'm a gentleman um, and we are in IFB land. Um, <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, and, and chivalry is important. I'm going to let you go first. So what would be your first bad life verse from the J.J. Abrams Bible? <laughs> How many of these do you have? Quite a few. Okay. Bible um, two, two Bible, two Fury. <laughs> okay. So, my first bad life verse idea would be uh, something that would be considered a joke verse, like John eleven thirty five. So John eleven thirty five is the shortest verse in the Bible. It's only two words. So it turns out being the the punchline for jokes because it's the shortest verse. And if you chose that as a light verse, it would probably be considered overly silly or irreverent. So I got to ask, what are those two words? Oh, uh, Jesus wept. Okay. I guess having Jesus wept as your life verse would be. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's the punchline of jokes because everybody knows that's the shortest verse. So, yeah, I think that would be seen as, like, irreverent or overly jokes, jokey. Yeah. My first bad life verse is from the book of Leviticus, and it is the verse Leviticus 18.22, which says, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. And my reason for picking this verse is that, if this verse is to define your life, imagine defining your whole life by picking one specific sin. And I have big air quotes around the word sin in this case and raging against it and the people that practice it. And like, I think that this would be like maybe raise some suspicious, like thou dost protest it. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, like I call it the, the Mike Pence conundrum. So yeah, that's definitely a bad a bad life verse. And yeah, if you're if you're making the definition of your life to be a bigot towards somebody, yeah, that's probably probably not ideal. You're you're either defining your life by hatred or intolerance or I don't know, denial. I mean, not only is it not, it just doesn't seem very Christian. But I'm not a Christian, so what do I know? <sighs> so I agree with you, but I think that's also gonna be a can of worms for, for another time. If I were IFB, which life verse would be the worst life verse? Oh, between the one I picked and the one you picked? Yeah. Oh, if you were IFB. Yeah, if you were IFB. So that is that is hard to call because to normal people, clearly the one you picked is worse. But in the IFB, I could see that the one you picked being acceptable. So it that's a hard call. You want to do second choice? Yeah, second choice. Okay, okay. so we're going to do a 
tiny CW. Uh, there are some antiquated terms for sex workers in here. Uh, I'm I'm quoting directly from the from the KJV, uh, and we are we on this podcast are all aware that we do not use these terms anymore. Uh, so my my second choice for worst life first is actually a short passage. So it's Revelation seventeen three through five. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast. full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. So aside from the fact that mother of harlots and abominations of the earth is an excellent name for a metal band. Okay, true that. If we're talking whores and prostitutes, I think that I can beat that one because I have chosen Ezekiel 23, 19 (laughs) and 20, which reads, yet she became more and more promiscuous as she recalled the days of her youth when she was a prostitute in Egypt. There she lusted after her lovers whose members were like that of donkeys and whose emission was like that of horses. Wow. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So before I called Song of Songs biblical bootylicious, but this verse is biblical Cardi B featuring Megan (laughs) Thee Stallion. (laughs) So, so much so that I think that Ben Shapiro should be offended by it. Or, you know what this, you know what this uh, line reminds me of? It reminds me, have you seen the meme where it's the gospel according to future? No, I haven't. Okay. So I'll, I'll, whatever. I'll put that on Instagram, but, um, Having this verse as your life verse, you know, I mean, if that's what you're into, no judgment from me, go for it, live your best life. But if you were IFB, man, I am sure that this would not fly. So believe it or not, I have absolutely heard both the verse that I read and the verse that you read preached on in church. Mm, Did it make you feel a certain type of way? No, dude. this would have been like, (laughs) this would have been like so long before I had any idea what any of that was. So it totally just went over my head. But I agree that it wouldn't be looked kindly on for a life first. <laughs> I am sure though that like when somebody was pre- like there was a few people in the pews thinking the Lord is testing me. <laughs> they're hearing that verse and they're like So I is it hot, I, is it hot in here? I I don't know. Like that I, I don't know. That would have been so far over my head like as a kid. So here's a question. How long can a life verse be? So in theory, as long as you want, it's not completely off book to choose an entire psalm. Like one of my friends commented on my Facebook post that her life verse is all of Psalm 23. So that's six verses. A short psalm is not unusual at all. A passage of two to three verses is not unusual. I've seen people do a longer passage. You would be expected to be able to quote your entire life verse. So if you said like Galatians chapter one, two, and three, that would definitely raise some eyebrows. But a a longer passage isn't completely unheard of. But say, for instance, I chose Numbers 511 to 31, which is like 20 lines. So nobody's going to call you out on it or say you can't have it, uh, but you would kind of be expected to be able to quote it and give a summary of that passage and specifics of why it's meaningful to you. So good luck. Okay, well, I've chosen this specific passage as my bad life verse, my final entry um, in terrible life verses, because it details what is commonly referred to as the ordeal of the bitter water. 
And this is a commandment that, I mean, man, this one's weird. It's a commandment, though, that if a man suspects his wife has been unfaithful to him, but doesn't have any evidence, he can take her in front of the priest who will make her drink a potion of holy water and dust from the temple floor. And if she lies about her infidelity, then her womb will be ruptured and she will miscarry immediately. So clearly this... (laughs) would be a terrible life verse for obvious reasons because it is truly one of the more bizarre and confusing passages of the Hebrew Bible. So weirdly enough, I have heard that one preached on in church as well. Um, That surprises me though, because given your people's strong objections to anything seemingly abortion related that... Okay, so fair enough. To explain that half of it is going to take another full episode at some point, but the bare basics are... Uh, IFBs follow their interpretation of some parts of Jewish law. Uh, For example, the prohibition on tattoos. They don't follow other parts of ceremonial law, like the dietary restrictions, not eating shellfish or pork. So if a woman is accused of cheating in the IFB, she would be made to drink holy water and dust to trigger an abortion? True. So in actual practice, no, this wouldn't happen in any IFB church that I've ever attended. I'm sure there's one out there where they've tried. That's what I'm saying. Like there's a constant debate over which parts of Jewish law we're supposed to follow and what category specific laws fall in. So... I would not be surprised one single bit to find out that there is an IFB church somewhere that actually practices this. The closest that I have ever heard myself is a vague suggestion that we really should be following this law. From who? From IFB pastors. Like there is the groups, the specific little parts of the IFB that I grew up in. Their general ideas were there are actually more Jewish laws that we should follow. Like, okay, the the law that says that if a child is disobedient, the parents can kill it. Like, the, that's another another part of Jewish law that I have heard said in from an IFB church. We really should follow this, but it would be illegal. When you're talking about Jewish Jewish, do you guys read the Talmud? Uh, no, no, just the 39 canonical books of what we call the Old Testament weird because we have books of rabbis arguing back and forth for hundreds of years over what commandments mean and you would think that that would be a useful resource for you guys right so you're catching on to the fact that many of these ifb rules come from a 19th or 20th century christian's interpretation of the commandments. So basically we have our own quote unquote rabbis who don't know anything and don't read Hebrew as well as they think they do going back and forth over hundreds of years of over what the commandments mean. We basically have our own version of like we being the IFB have our own version of that. And that's how these things get so out of line. But like, I have definitely heard a suggestion that we should be following the dust of the temple floor thing. And I have heard that we should be following if your child's disobedient, the parent can kill the child. Um, The only reason that we don't is because we live in such a wicked, sinful land that if we did those things, it would be illegal. Moving on. Are you okay? (laughs) (laughs) I'm fine. Oh my gosh. So, okay. So, so what's your final entry in the bad life versus contest? Because this one's for all the marbles and I don't know how you can, how you can top that one. Honestly, the last one I had picked out is totally boring compared to that. I'm just going to let you have it. Um, Okay. So we'll post whatever you wanted to do on Instagram. That's fine. Yeah. But how about this? Okay. So, um, 
how about we end this episode by helping me pick a life first? Actually helping you pick one. So just... It's got to be from the, the, the OG, the OG <laughs> books. So yeah. honestly, I, I think you already have one because I've heard you quote... I do? Yeah, dude, I've already heard... I've heard you quote this one particular scripture like more than anything else and you have a t-shirt with it. It's the uh, justice, justice. That's the only one that I can recite from memory and that's why i mean i think it's a good verse sure i mean i don't i don't identify as an activist in any means of it i mean like i feel like if there's a cause that needs me to show up for it and somebody's like hey i need you to show up for this thing then i'll do it but i i do not consider myself an activist but you know what sure i'll take it that seems like a good one maybe it takes more thought than that to pick one but did you want me to well did you want me to read the one that i I, so i was looking through that old my old bible i think i found the one that was my life might have been maybe yeah why don't you tell us you want me to read that yeah that's that's a better that's a better way for us to end this segment so what i think it might have been is uh first peter five seven which is casting all your care upon him for he careth for you is is that in reference to like a husband in the future? Okay. No. So it's talking about like when you have problems, you can talk to God about it and, and God cares. Like the Stevie Wonder song. What? Like the Stevie Wonder song. There's a Stevie Wonder song where he's like, if you. Is that my homework for next week? No. If you feel that <laughs> life's too hard, go have a talk with God. Yeah. It's a really good song. I, I, ha- I don't know that one, but yeah, sure. So, but yeah, it's, it's basically just saying like, oh, well, God cares about you and you're not alone. And like, if you talk to God, he hears you. Um, but it is definitely referencing like you're not going to be able to depend on your husband for that kind of emotional support. So you got to get it from Jesus. Oy vey. That's <laughs> there are some. Okay, I'm- <laughs> there are some things I say on this show, and I feel like I should be making some nice like southern sweet tea and just like sliding it across. Like we don't record together because of COVID, so we're half a mile apart. But in my in my head, we're like at a dining room table. You should be off. I want to just like slide a glass of sweet tea over to you and be like, here, chill yourself out. Like I'm sorry for what I just had to tell you. Well, it's just as well that you don't because I don't yeah, I don't drink sweetened drinks because You don't want of, to know how much sugar I put in sweet tea. I would rather have my tea unsweetened and iced. I'm sorry, I don't make I don't make Yankee tea. Okay. What I'm going to have you review is, I guess not next week, two weeks from now, because next week we're going to do the next in our um, Hiles. Oh, boy, are we. And scop thing. Yeah. Oh, oy vey. <sighs> um, next week, that's going to happen. But the week after that, the next homework section that I give you, I'm going to have you watch a movie again. And this one is very culturally significant. Yeah. So next week, I'm going to have you watch Titanic starring uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, see i know so much about this movie i've just never gotten around to seeing it okay well it's very long and it has a absolutely banging celine dion song in it i know about that yeah (laughs) i actually learned to play that on piano while i was still ifb if you're talking about my heart will go on but you're because well because i can hear if i hear something enough i can play it Especially something with like very classic chord progression like that. And your parents have never seen the movie, so they don't know what it's from. Right. And my parents like my parents like Celine Dion. So I mean my parents are are chiller than the average IFB people. 
so like they had we had access to to more music like we had access to some 70s and 80s music interesting okay so you weren't like it's it's it will get there it's always we'll get there anyway so next week you tune in for that and then the week after that we're gonna have a great episode for you as well um and I think that's about time to wrap it up. Uh, once again, if you want to follow us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, it's going to be leaving at Leaving Eden Pod on uh, Twitter and uh, Leaving Eden Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Um, you can also write to our email, which is leavingedenpod at gmail.com if you've got questions, if you want to send us something yeah we would we would love to start getting questions through that email um it can either be about uh just some little detail of ifb life or what my experience was like that we haven't mentioned yet but if you have an ifb story as well we are interested in hearing those we we might eventually want to include those stories yeah, and also the other thing, go to our Patreon if you want to financially support this show because it does take us a lot of effort to do this. Um, and we do spend a lot of time re uh, researching, writing, recording, editing, um, promoting. All of that stuff takes time and energy. Um, and you can find us on the Patreon. We're going to have bonus content for you there. Um, and that is patreon.com slash leaving eden podcast um and my social media if you want to follow me it is gabriel ha cohen um on facebook instagram and uh twitter and sadie if you want yeah uh my instagram is sadie carpenter music and my twitter is at hell yeah sadie all right and once again thank you very much for listening um and you guys have a wonderful day but old rolling river tide Peeled me in too many days No regrets, no confusion There'll be no pollution I'm so thankful I've decided To change my ways I'm so thankful to change my ways Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.